Glory to your name, Lord. Check, check. Glory to your name, Lord. Lord, truly, Lord, we come before you. Truly, you are able. Lord, show up and show out in this place. Show up, Lord, in our midst. Do what we cannot. Lord, use me like I'm using this mic. Say what I cannot. Open the hearts of your people to receive, to hear, and to do all that you've called us to do. I pray for those who are here who don't know you, Lord God. You are able to save. Let something be done or be said that will bring them closer, closer to you, Lord. Bless our time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, CC, worship team. Excuse me one second. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody today? Oh, man, you know that... It's always a day to be grateful, always a day to be glad. Church I grew up in, someone could always testify that the Lord woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. If, even if things weren't going the way you wanted, I could still proclaim that I've got health in my body. I thank God for getting me up this morning. So there's always a reason to be grateful. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you all this morning, those who are watching online. My name is Tim White. I am the care minister here. It's always an honor and a privilege to be able to speak before you. So I do thank Pastor Nicole, who's serving in Kid City, just for this opportunity. And a bit of a funny story. Last Sunday, she kind of casually came to me after service and just asked, you know, like Tim, you know, if I ask you to preach, you know, how much time, you know, how much notice do you, would you need? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. About a week. And uh, as you can see today, she took me up on it. So, <laughs> and, and, and that's cool. You know, she emailed me Monday, can you preach? And I'm just kind of thinking, maybe she was thinking, well, let's put this to the test. Let's see what he says. And, you know, so I see the email and I'm like, well, you know, I got a reputation to uphold, so I got to say yes. So anyway. But it's always a pleasure to be before you today. Uh, so what I'll be ministering on today is Standing for Righteousness. That's the working title. And some of the things that I'm actually going to, the themes I'm going to draw from actually are coming from the past four weeks. So as you know, if you've been here, we've been going through the book of Esther. And Pastor Nicole has really been laying this foundation for weeks. And this theme comes from that. So some of the things, or maybe much of the things that I say today, will echo what she's been talking about. And that's okay, because repetition is good. You know, I, I need you to think about the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God the same way a cow chews on the cud. It's just constantly chewing again and again, and it's bringing it back up again and again, and it's just chewing and chewing. And that's how we want to do with the Word of God. That's how we grow. We hear it again. We hear it again. Different ways but we continue to meditate on the Word of God. <clears throat> so standing for righteousness, righteousness dealing with um, what's in alignment with God's will, God's truth, God's character, God's commands, right? 
And we've been looking at Esther, and we're actually going to draw from that today as well. And one thing to know that we'll also talk about, Pastor Nicole mentioned, that when standing for righteousness or standing up for truth or justice or whatever word we want to throw in there, it can bring us to a place of risk or ruin. In other words, there's a cost. Tell your neighbor there's a cost. There's a cost to standing for righteousness. There's a cost to standing for God. There's a consequence. It's going to cost you something. There's risk involved. And there may even be a consequence. And we see that in the story of Esther. So we will look at and we'll analyze three stories, Esther being one, and there will be two others that we'll analyze where people are standing up for righteousness in various ways. So it might look different depending on the scenario, but the call to stand is the same. And then we'll look at how does this apply to our current context. Consider the cost of standing for righteousness. Now make a decision. And we'll see that in these stories. So first I want to turn to Esther. We've been there, so this should be familiar. And I know in a sermon series, you can't always bring out all of the details. So I do encourage you in your own Bible study time to read the entire book of Esther and just see all of the details of the story um, that, that time just would not allow for Pastor Nicole to bring out. Esther, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. And you know the story. Esther is brought into the kingdom, she's queen, and a guy named Haman, he, he works some things out so that the king will issue a decree to annihilate the Jewish people. And she's come to this critical point of whether or not I should speak, and she's talking with her uncle Mordecai, and, and she says to him, look, the law says any man or woman who goes before the king unannounced, who comes into the inner court of the king unsummoned, you die. With the exception that the king extends you to you the golden scepter. That was the law. Mind you, in the land of kings, this was a decree. That means when the king gives a decree, it's law, it can't be changed. Okay? Verse 12. So she told her uncle, look, I'm going to die if I do this. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your families, your father's family will perish. And who knows? but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
So one of the first points I want to bring up about standing for righteousness, and as I started, it can look different depending on the scenario. So the first one is standing for righteousness involves advocacy. You may remember Pastor Nicole talked about that, where you're speaking on behalf, it could be yourself or someone else, but you're speaking on behalf of a cause. Esther, in this situation, chooses to speak on behalf of her people by going against the law protocol. She risks death because this was, in fact, the law. Yet Esther makes a choice without knowing the outcome. I want to pause right there, and I think Pastor Nicole did bring this out a little bit, as the viewers, as the readers, we have the benefit of standing outside of the story. We see everything unfolding. We see all of it happen. We see how God shows up. And it's, it's, it's even challenging for us as, as preachers because we can easily make that, well, we see what God does. So, so when you trust God, this will happen, right? God will show up like that. But I, I want you to take a moment and step into Esther's shoes. The only thing she has is the decision in front of her. She does not know the outcome. And for many of us, when we step into standing up for righteousness, we don't know the outcome. We don't know, yes, we trust God, don't get me wrong, but we don't know how God's going to show up. We don't know what the end's going to look like. All we know is there are consequences, there's a risk, but there's a decision to be made. And when that decision comes, what choice will you make? That's the question, will you stand or not? And that is right where Esther is. As I mentioned, we, we don't see the whole picture. But she makes the choice. Standing for righteousness, as I mentioned, involves advocacy. And that is where, and I want to emphasize this line right here, I will go. Despite the consequences that she knew she would face, despite the risk, and despite not knowing the outcome, what God's going to do, what's going to happen, if I perish, I perish, but what's the main point? I will go. And that's the call to us. It's that place of, I don't know what God's going to do, how God's going to do it, but God has called me to stand. It's a difficult place not seeing the outcome. It's a difficult place. And in fact, some of that might be our hesitation. That was Esther's hesitation. Ah, I'm going to die. No, there's a greater cause right here. There's a greater risk. There's something else at stake that's even greater than my own personal risk. So keep that in your mind. Advocacy. I will go. Now, mind you, I recognize that this is a huge scenario. We're talking about a law where people are going to be slaughtered, right? And that seems like a big issue. And you might be thinking, well, how can I be like Esther? I'm not in a situation like that. Well, let's bring it into our context because there's something key. Esther operated in the task that was given to her. 
And that's the thing when standing up for righteousness, for advocacy, you've got to understand, we've got to understand, where has God called me? Where has God positioned me? What gifts, what desire, what passions has God given me? What are the surroundings God has made me aware of? Because see, Mordecai was not called to go to the king. You may not be called to go to the king. You may not be called to go to politicians or senators or governors or mayors. Maybe God is calling you to go to your local government, your, your school, whatever it is, just your job. Where has God called you to stand up for righteousness? And I'm going to guarantee you there may not be an edict, there may not be a law saying that these people need to die, but I can guarantee you, you look around our world, there's a lot of brokenness and sin. There are systems, there are even cultures that are saying these people don't matter. There are things that are dehumanizing other people. You don't have to look far to see that. That can be on a community level. Maybe it's not laws or policies, but it's just the way things operate. These people. Yeah. That was behind the edict, right? These Jews, they don't matter. One, uh, one thing that stands out to me uh, years ago, I went to um, uh, the, uh, the Cambodian Association, uh, which is in... Um, it's in Chicago, it's on Lawrence, like near Lawrence in California, and uh, this was a part of a class that I was in in seminary, and we were learning about the Cambodian genocide. So that took place 1975 to 1979, if I have my dates correct, and about like three million people were slaughtered during that time. Um, and in this museum, there, were, there was just all of this propaganda that was put out, right, uh, of, about people, the, 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 the excuses the, the regime at the time used to slaughter people. But there was one that stood out to me, and it read like this. To destroy you is no loss. To keep you is no gain. Essentially, you don't matter. Right? You don't matter. Now think about your context, where you are. I told you righteousness is standing for God's will, God's truth. And we challenge the things that don't align with that. What is happening in your context, in your school, in your work, where that mentality exists? Could be laws, could be policy, maybe not. These people don't matter. And that is the call for you and I to step in and say, no, I will go. For you, it could just be your family. For me, I live in Waukegan, and God has really given me a heart for that city. Um, and one thing or one gift that I have is I'm a father, you know, and it's important for me to be in my kids' schools. But uh, one example that I learned from my dad because he was always doing this. And, and so now I see myself kind of following in his footsteps where I just saw him be a father to the fatherless. You know, there were always kids in the system and whatnot that he just took under his wing. Young people that the system, that administrators, maybe even teachers have written off. But my dad was that, that man who stood there and said, no, I'm going to care for you. 
I'm going to stand, I'm going to insert myself into that gap, despite the risk. And no, the risk may not be your life. In some cases, it might be. It could be reputation. It could just be, I mean, my wife and I, we're determined we're going to be the squeaky wheel parents. Like we're showing up, we're showing up to our school and our community, like what's going on? Maybe it's that I just need to be there. (laughs) This is beyond just well wishes and I'll pray for you. No, I need to go. I I need to insert myself. I mean, that's my thing. Hey, you're going to see me. You're going to hear my voice, right? Standing for righteousness, advocacy, I will go. So don't let stories like this just be so big. Look around you. God has given you gifts. God has given you things around you that you can speak to. Mind you, then, one example I'll go to is that I think about the civil rights movement. Many times we, when we think of the civil rights movement, we think of Dr. King, right? We think of the big national movement. But you don't see people were on the ground day in, day out, working, challenging the systems. Teachers, lawyers, doctors, didn't matter. There was so much work going on beyond the big demonstrations beyond the big marches, there were people day in on the grind working, challenging. So, so don't get caught up in how, how, how big it is. No, right where you are, God can use you. So that's the first example. Advocacy. I will go. Just remember those together, okay? Now, the next one. This one might get a little bit more dicey for us, but we'll go there. You remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Their Hebrew names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know, the three Hebrew boys. So the book of Daniel, you know, this is during the time of judgment, and, and Judah's carried away. The Jews are carried away into exile, into Babylon, right? And so King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, you know, he sets up this idol sets up this golden image, and he gave a decree. Once again, kings and decrees, it's a law. When you hear the music playing, bow before this. Well, some of the king's servants one day, they were checking around on, you know, social media, and they just happened to look at, they happened to look at some of the posts and the the Twitter and all the stuff of these Hebrew boys. And they're like, man, you know, King, I was looking at their Instagram, I was looking at their Facebook. You know, they don't show allegiance to your gods. I mean, they, they not posting pictures with them, they not, doing, they not doing none of that. Like, King, you need to check this out. These cats ain't down. King was furious. We come to Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, I'm going to give you another chance. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, Zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. 
But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I hear a little attitude in there too. I kind of like that. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, they keep it respectful, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, of course, there's more to the story, but I want to zero in on this. Second point, standing for righteousness involves total allegiance to God and God alone. They are faced with their lives being taken if they don't do what the king says, bow to this image. And what we know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from earlier in Daniel, I mean, these men feared God. They loved God. They were a companion of Daniel, okay? They feared God. But standing for righteousness involves total allegiance to God. And we'll get here, but that's the question. Does God have your total allegiance? Does God have our total allegiance? They faced certain death for refusing to serve the gods of Babylon, but their decision, what was Esther's advocacy? I will go. Their decision, total allegiance to God, we will not. You see, in standing for righteousness, there are things we will do, and then there are things we will not do. We cannot do. We refuse to do. In the face of certain death, and I love their answer because this is kind of, you know, it's a theology I've taken on in, in terms of, you know, when seeking God and what will God do and wanting God to move and whatnot. But their, their posture is, look, our God is able to deliver us. We believe he will deliver us. And if he doesn't. Now, for some of us, we might hear that and, and think, well, when they say that, is there a lack of faith? Is, is there... It, what, what's up with that? And I want to say, no, they're actually demonstrating total faith because they're recognizing that God is someone that I don't control. I don't, I don't manipulate. I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, say one, two, three, bless me. And God's got to do it. That God is sovereign. God stands alone. God deserves my total allegiance, even if it means I die. That's right. You got to get mean with it. And I love this here, but let's bring that into our context because maybe we don't face death. Now, I will say fellow Christians in other countries, they are facing this. They are saying, you are Christian, you know what you got coming. 
You stand up for Jesus, it's black and white. You'll be in prison, you'll be killed. It's very simple. But let's bring it into the American context because we don't necessarily face death, at least not yet. What do we face? I think we face something that's even more insidious. See, we may not face death for our faith, but we risk having a dead faith here. We don't face the either or, if you don't bow, you die. But no, here we, we risk a dead faith. Why do I say that? Well, let's talk about our context. We live in a culture of idols. No, not golden statues and things like that, but no, we got all kinds of idols that are, are, are pulling at us, wanting our attention. And standing up for righteousness in this context is going to cost us. But see, nobody's going to come at you because you say you're a Christian. Oh, that's fine. You can be a Christian. In fact, some, everybody's a Christian. Everybody likes Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus. Jesus. But see, Jesus is no different than Buddha or uh, Gandhi or Martin Luther King. And all. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is cool, right? We live in a culture of pluralism. Money, power, sex, comfort, status, all of these things we chase at. But, but what's kind of underlying that that I want to focus on is that idol of self. That's really what, what's behind it. That, that's what we deal with here. It's that idol of self, that pluralism. It's a, what I like to call a, it's a Starbucks culture. You know, it's a Starbucks faith. Have it your way. Now, don't boycott Starbucks. I'm not saying that. You can have your drink the way you want. I'm getting at the mentality of our culture that uses that same mentality even when it comes to more important things about what my life is built on, right? I have it my way. And sometimes we approach our Christian faith like that. I look at the Word and say, Jesus, I, I, I see this, this, I like that, that sounds good to me, that, I don't really like those pages, I don't like to go on the left side of the Bible, I'm not going to read those, I'm just going to kind of stay right here, yep, that's what we're doing, I want this, I want that, yeah, give me a, bit of, give me a whole lot of grace, give me a lot of mercy and stuff, the holiness, yeah, just, yeah, a little bit, not really, um, yeah, or, or it's the other side, you know, it's like, I, I like the holiness, yeah, truth, way, like, uh, light on the compassion, you know, yeah, just, not too much, you know, just like the, yeah, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to appear soft or anything like that. You know, we can mix and match, and we get to the, here's what I want, right? That's what we deal with. Here are some other things, some other ideas, right? Because it's combining Jesus with other idols. But here are some other ones. Here we go. You're not going to like me, but that's okay. It's my right. It's my life. I make the rules. It's my body, and I can do what I want. And that applies to a myriad of things. I can say what I want. No one tells me what to do. The idol of self stands in direct opposition, contradiction to Christ, who calls us to deny ourselves and follow him. So standing up for righteousness in this context means we cannot bow to these idols. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to say, sorry, we will not serve here. We can't bow. Yes, we risk ridicule. We risk being labeled bigots, judgmental, and the like. Maybe even risk being canceled. 
because you're not going with the flow. We say to the culture that Jesus is the way, the only way, in a culture that says there are many ways. Jesus is the truth in a culture that says, you have your truth and I have mine, right? You've heard that before. Oh, oh, this is, here's my favorite. See, Jesus is fine for me, right? But I can't tell someone else they're wrong. I told you, it's going to get a little dicey. But when you examine Jesus, he doesn't leave room for other options. So I've got to ask you, child of God, does that view, if that's your perspective, you know, Jesus is fine for me, but I can't judge someone else, does that align with Jesus? You follow Jesus, right? So let, let, let's, let's, let's analyze. He says, I'm the way. You're saying there are other ways, and you say you follow him. There's a disconnect here. Explain it to me. Hmm? How do you make that work? How do you harmonize that? I, I love Jesus. I'm with him, but there's no one. What? Hold up. Do you really believe what Jesus said? See, see, following Jesus, see, this is the difference between we're going to believe him and follow him, or we just like aspects about him, right? I like certain things about Jesus. I like his compassion. That's cool. There's that Starbucks. I'll take that. I like the merch. Yep, I'll take that. But you know the whole Lord thing? I'm not with it. Excuse me? What? We say he's the truth in the culture, many truths. And we say Jesus is the life in a culture that looks for life in other places. The call to deny ourselves where Jesus says, I am the one who came to give you life. But our culture is constantly telling us, no, you find your life in this and that. Books are written every year. Self-help, motivational. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, it's okay to have things that inspire you, encourage you to start a business and do things like that. Don't get it twisted. But it's this idea of what you're, you're basing your life on, what you're building it on, okay? And it's a culture of me, 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 me. Those are the daily morning exercises. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Standing up for righteousness means standing out. Like the Hebrew boys, we will not. Total allegiance to God we will not. And the third and final point, we'll go to the New Testament. This comes from Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they healed a man who was lame. And the Jewish leaders, I mean, they, they've been out of shape about it. Who are these guys? What power are they doing this in? And so they are imprisoned. Okay? They're, they're, they're in prison for preaching 
in the name of Jesus. And so this, this council, the Sanhedrin council, it's a council of leaders, priests, law, teachers of the law, Pharisees, and so on, okay? So leaders of the Jewish people. And so they're conferring with one another, Acts chapter 4, verse 16. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Yeah. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Standing for righteousness involves advocacy. Standing for righteousness involves total allegiance to God. I will go, we will not. Standing for righteousness means boldly proclaiming and demonstrating the truth of Jesus. Despite being imprisoned and threatened, Peter and John boldly declare Christ to the Jewish people. They say, we cannot help speak, or I'll just say, we must speak. Modern day application. We've got the responsibility to tell people that the kingdom of God has broken into our existence. So you see, the, and, and there's more obviously that these men, they're full of the Holy Spirit, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But to, to declare to a broken and sinful world that there's an answer that's come. And this gets back to Jesus being that foundation. For them, there's no other solution. There's no, there's no salvation in any other. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's Acts 4.12. What is the risk, the charge in our culture? Don't speak in that name. And I just talked about it. Have your Jesus, but don't make him absolute. Don't make him ultimate. Be open. But I love their posture, their resolve. And like I said, they stand in a place where they don't know what consequences might come, or maybe they do and they've accepted it. If I perish, I perish. But there's a greater truth I'm standing on right now that I can't move from. Standing for righteousness. Unwavering. You ever been unwavering on something? You're not moving me on this. You can tell me to shut up, you can imprison me, you can even try to kill me, silence me, cancel me, whatever. I'm still going to declare this truth. And I'm not talking about, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about doing things in a way that 
that, are, that is judgmental or, or uh, coming down on people or, or, or being inconsiderate of people. Because understanding the gospel of Christ is knowing how Jesus has come to save. It's also understanding how he has changed me. How I need his grace. And I'm simply declaring, as they said, I, I can't help but proclaim what we've seen and what we heard. It's saying to people, I want you in on this. Right? Yes, we preach Jesus is exclusive, that he is the only way, but he's the one that says, come to me. Come to me. I don't care where you are right now. I don't care how messed up you are right now. He says, come to me. And we declare this beautiful truth. Standing up for righteousness, advocacy. I will go. Total allegiance to God. We will not. And boldly proclaiming and de demonstrating the truth, we must speak. I love this because each story illustrates the courage to do so, to stand in the midst of risk, opposition. And it's almost to the point that the, the opposition and the risk and the consequences don't matter anymore. Oh. My parents, my parents, but okay, do what you want. We're not going to bow. We don't know the outcome. We don't know how God, yes, these stories, God showed up powerfully, it's beautiful, but right now he's calling us to stand. God deals with the outcome. We're called to stand. But I want to wrap up with this because I don't want to get the wrong perspective that these people are doing this out of just some willpower and, you know, tomorrow wake up and just tell yourself this is what you're going to do. No. How are they able to do this? And there's just a, a couple points that, that actually come out in the text in different ways. Where does the strength come from to take this road, to stand for righteousness, whether it is to advocate? whether it's to stand to be totally aligned with God or to boldly proclaim. For one, it's intimacy with God. You can't stand for one you don't know. God calls us into a relationship with him. When they speak, when they, they, they refuse to bow, them like, I can't go for, I've been drinking, I've been tasting the, the true I've been drinking the living water. I can't trade that for something cheap. They're tasting of Christ. They're devoted to God. I've had the best. I can't abandon that for something cheap. You see that in the story of Esther. She says to Mordecai, okay, you and the Jews, y'all fast. Get before God. I will do the same, and then I will go to the king. It wasn't just her will, no. Let's get before God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're not going to bow, but you learn early in the chapters they were devoted to God. They feared God. They drank from that every day. That's what gave them the power to say, uh-uh, we will not, we cannot. Peter and John, we can't help but speak, full of the Holy Spirit. 
So much so that as they stood before the leaders, the, the leaders could tell that they were not educated men. And they came to this conclusion, these men have been with Jesus. There's something bigger going on. It's not about their education. It's not about their status. It's not about where they come from, what city they were born in. You've been with Jesus. You've been with the King. That is where our power comes from. Pastor Nicole talked about that, that place of prayer, getting before God, staying in His presence, meditating on His Word day and night. That's what gives us the power. We can't do it in our own strength. And let me tell you why. Because we're not going against human beings, y'all, as Paul wrote. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Advocating for, against systems of injustice. Do you understand? These, this comes, these are the demonic principalities and powers that are behind this thing. You can't do this in your own strength. This is the work of Satan behind this. But yet Jesus was manifest to what? To destroy the works of Satan. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't refuse idols if you're not before Christ. You can't. You can't advocate against injustice if you're not, if you're not before Christ, you understand? Because you're going up against demonic principalities and powers that have an interest in maintaining control over the lives of people. That's what you're going against. We need to be fortified in the Spirit of God. Every day, in and out, nonstop. Cece, you can come, brother. And I'm praying right now that this truth will sink deep into our hearts, convict us, challenge us, to recognize that standing for righteousness in this day, it involves what we will do. Esther, I will go. What we will not do, we will not serve your gods. And what we must say, we are going to declare to this world that the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Savior has broken into our broken, messed up, sinful world. Yes, with all the foolishness that's happening, we can say to the world, no, there's an answer. I know it looks dark. I know it looks crazy. I know it looks like it won't end, but there's an answer. That Jesus, the Savior, has come. Lord, I pray for your people today. I pray for your word to us that you've called us to stand for righteousness in an evil time. But I thank you, Lord, that you have called us for such a time as this. That you have positioned us. Lord, you built us to exist and to live in this context in 2022 at this time. So I know, Lord, that you have given us the grace to stand for you 
in a culture of plurality, in a culture of many gods and idols, and to declare, Jesus, you are the only way, you are the only truth. We are to declare to this world that death and evil and sickness don't have the last word. Make this real to us, Holy Spirit, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on and celebrate God in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus.